Good morning. My name is Randall Bradley, and I'm one of the ministers here at Calvary, and it's my pleasure to welcome you today. We are very, very glad that you're here. If this is your first time to come to Calvary, we are very pleased that you're here. But if this is a place that you worship every Sunday, we're also glad to see you. It's good to see familiar faces and to see people that we're yet to get to know. Thank you for being here today. You might have noticed as you came in that we have boxes around the platform today, uh, and only one of them is open. Um, so today, which box shall we open? Hmm. Um, okay, since I already tried out the purple one and I know that it stays open, let's try the purple one. Okay. Okay. All right, let's see here if I can figure this out. There's a secret latch on the back, okay? So, all right, so I'm sorry to say there's nothing to pop out of the boxes. That was another stage we discussed, but not one that we enacted. It occurs to me that opening the lid of the box is only the first step. And sometimes we can open the lid and we can even see out, but we can't get out of the box. There's a lot more to getting out of the box than opening the lid. I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes I imagine myself enclosed by layers of boxes. Many years ago, in I think it was 1992, Brenda and I went on a trip to um, Russia, and we spent about three weeks in Kazakhstan, which was then the Soviet Republic, but quite a bit of time in Russia. One of the things that we did was buy some Matryoshka dolls in Russia, which is, if you've been to Russia, you probably bought some of those. And we even have a special set that are not actually the typical dolls, but they're the um, um, prime ministers of, of Russia. Uh, we have Lenin and Stalin and um, Gorbachev and some others all stacked into dolls where you can take them out also. I actually traded a pair of uh, blue jeans for that on Red Square uh, <laughs> for those dolls. But, you know, um, I don't play with those dolls a lot these days and take them apart and stuff. But when I look at them, I often think about how many different enactments of something is entrapped within those dolls and how many layers. And you keep on going till you finally end up, you start out this big and you end up with like one this big. I sometimes imagine myself as one of those little dolls stuffed in all those other dolls and trying to get out and nobody there to help me or maybe not even able to help myself, or not even able to realize that I am in layers of boxes. Today, we will be exploring what it means to be trapped, and we will be exploring this over several weeks. You might imagine that we will explore this several weeks because it might take us a while to get out of something. But today, as we go through the service, let's explore that in our own hearts, not only with how we get out of boxes, but how we allow God to be out of the boxes that we've built around God's nature also. Let us now worship. Amen.
Praise to God's love when every race had led. Go forth, O church of God, go forth with mighty shout. Walk on the street called poverty with weeping hearts rich But you know that fear tempts us to tighten those boundaries and build higher walls and to draw new lines and find our identity in superiority. This morning, holy God, we open ourselves to your teaching, challenge our exclusivity. With your gentle grace, draw again your boundary lines to show them to us. Give us the courage to tear down our built walls and seek our identity in you alone. Amen. Father of kindness, you have born. Oh 
all your promises are yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen. Faithful you are. Faithful forever you will be. Your promises are yes and families today. This is Emmaus Hope Cruz and her parents, Katie and Jeremy Cruz. Emmaus was born on July 13, 2018. She loves being held, bouncing on her yoga ball, and kicking and wiggling as she lays on the floor. Her parents would describe her as being easygoing, sweet, and snuggly. This is Laura Charlotte Ranowski and her parents, Brian and Joanne Ranowski. Laura was born on July 4th, 2018, and she loves being rocked, sung to, playing on her play mat, and going for walks in her stroller. Her parents would describe her as being bright, beautiful, sweet, and snuggly. This is Nehemiah Victor Spears and his parents, Nathan and Lindsay Spears. Nehemiah was born on July 14th, 2018, and he loves smiling, cooing, and playing with his big brother. His parents would describe him as being happy and always hungry. <laughs> Today we celebrate the lives of Emmaus, Laura, and Nehemiah and recognize them as signs of the kingdom of God. 
we also celebrate the importance of community in the life of a child and a parent. Parents, we would also like to present you with a letter for you to read with your child on the day that he or she chooses to follow Christ. This letter will remind each child of this special day of dedication in which their Calvary family made a commitment to come alongside you and them in their faith journey. This letter will also remind them that they are loved and cherished by you, their parents, by their Calvary family, and by God. As part of today, parents, we ask you to covenant with us. And so in dedicating your children to the Lord, will you teach your children by word and example to love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love their neighbor as themselves? Will you pray for and with your children and entrust them to God's care? And by daily seeking to follow Christ, will you surround your children with God's love that they may be nurtured and strengthened in their faith by God's grace? Calvary, you are an important part of this covenant too. Your care, love, and example are a significant part of this dedication today. And so will you covenant to be the family of God in this place with these parents and their children, supporting them through prayer, encouragement, and your faithful presence in their lives? Now we would like to take a few moments for you to welcome these children into our Calvary family. Often at Calvary, we bless one another in this place by laying hands on one another. And so today we will do the same with these children and their families. We would like to give any immediate family members a chance to come forward now and to surround your families. And after that, Everyone else is welcome to come forward as well. Feel free to voice a prayer aloud for these families and their children. And then Lauren will close us with a prayer. You're invited to come.
Gracious God, we thank you for these children and their parents. We pray that Emmaus, Laura, and Nehemiah would know your love and your presence with them always. Give them your peace and protect them in times of trouble. Strengthen them and surround them with your love. May they each grow in Christ and live fully into the person you are creating them to be. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't be afraid. My love is stronger. My love is stronger than your fear. Don't be afraid. My love is stronger. From the book of Joshua. Then Joshua, son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and spent the night there. The king of Jericho was told, Some Israelites have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jer Jericho sent orders to Rahab. Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come only to search out the whole land. But the woman took the two men and hid them. Then she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. And when it was time to close the gate at dark, the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for they can overtake them, for you can overtake them. She had, however, brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. So the men pursued them on the way to Jordan as far as the fords, and as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gates were shut. Before they went to sleep, she came to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and the dread of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt in fear before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no courage left in any of us because of you. The Lord your God is indeed uh, God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, since I have dealt kindly with you, swear to me by the Lord that you will in turn deal kindly with my family. Give me a sign of good faith that you will spare my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. The men said to her, Our life for yours. 
If you do not tell this business of ours, then we will deal kindly and faithfully with you when the Lord gives us the land. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the outer side of the city wall, and she resided within the wall itself. She said to them, Go toward the hill country, so that the pursuers may not come upon you. Hide yourself there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterwards you may go your way. The men said to her, We will be released from this oath that you have made us swear to you if we invade the land and you do not tie this crimson cord in the window through which you let us down, and you do not gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers and your family. If any of you go out of the doors of your house into the street, they shall be responsible for their own death, and we shall be, we shall be innocent. But if a hand is laid upon any who are with you in the house, we shall bear the responsibility for their death. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be released from this oath that you made us swear to you. She said, according to your words, so be it. She sent them away and they departed. Then she tied the crimson cord in the window. On the seventh day they rose early at dawn and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live because she hid the messengers we sent. As for you, keep away from the things devoted to destruction so as not to covet and take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel an object for destruction, bringing trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpets, they raised a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. So the people charged straight ahead into the city and captured it. Then they devoted to destruction by the edge of the sword all, this, all in the city, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, Go into the prostitute's house and bring the woman out of it and all who belong to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought Rahab out, along with her family, her mother, her brothers, and all who belonged to her. They brought all her kindred out and set them outside the camp of Israel. They burned down the city and everything in it. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab, the prostitute, with her family and all who belonged to her, Joshua spared. Her family has lived in Israel ever since, for she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. An account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, 
and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Aram, and Aram the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashon. And Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. My love is stronger than your fear. Don't be afraid. My love is stronger and I have promised, promised to be always near. I would like to invite Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Who remembers what is our worship series called this month? Everybody remember outside the box. And so look what I have for our children's message. <laughs> Every week we are going to take a different item out of this box that comes from our Bible story for that week. And so I'm wondering, would anyone like to just poke your hand inside and feel around? Oh, I saw your hand first. Do you want to come try? Just poke your hand in and see, without looking, see what you can feel in there. What's it feel like? Soft. It feels soft. What about somebody else? Jada, do you want to try? See what you, what else does it feel like? <laughs> yeah, do you want to try? See what it feels like. What's that feel like? One more, okay, Caroline. It feels like a tablecloth, that's a really good guess. Okay, what do we got here? What is this? It's a rope, what color is it? It's a red rope. Can anybody think of a Bible story with a red rope in it? Davis, what do you think? Can you think of one? Anybody else have any other ideas? Do you have one? the Bible story we were just talking about. It's from the book of Joshua. And so when I see this rope, I think of this story. So one day, Joshua sent two men from his army to spy on the city of Jericho. And they stayed at a woman's house named Rahab. But when the king found out that they were spying, he was not happy. And so he went to Rahab and he ordered the men to come out. Well, what did Rahab do? Anybody know? She hid them on her roof. She ran them upstairs and hid them under some things on her roof. And then she went to the king and she said, sorry, they're gone. You, you better go look for them. I don't know where they are. Now, Rahab was somebody that people did not think very highly of or someone people didn't treat very well. But she risked her life to save these men. And so she goes up to the roof and she says to them, I've heard all these amazing stories about your God. And I believe that your God is the God of everyone and everything. And so since I have been kind to you, will you be kind to me? And when you come back with your army to Jericho, will you help me and my family to escape? And what did the spies say? Yes. 
Yes. So Rahab got a red rope, maybe kind of like this one, probably a little longer. And she used it for the men to climb out the window of her house so that they wouldn't be caught. And then she tied the same rope in the window so that when the armies came back to Jericho, they would remember where Rahab was and she and her family were saved. And what happened? They came back. What's that? Yes, they came back and they helped Rahab escape. And her mother and father and brother and sisters and all of her family was able to escape. Rahab took a really big risk that day, but God took care of her. You know, sometimes God asks us to take risks, and God asks us to do hard things, even when we're scared, or even when we don't know how things will turn out. But this story reminds us that no matter what happens, God is always with us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for these boys and girls and their curiosity and wonder about your world. God, I thank you that you help us to take risks, even when we are afraid, and that your word reminds us that in all of these moments, you are always with us. Amen.
Now, gracious God, may the words in my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Sometime in mid-October 1849, Harriet Tubman crossed an invisible line into the state of Pennsylvania. On one side of the line, she was still a slave, but when she crossed that line, she was free. But she didn't stay within the comfort of freedom for very long. Harriet soon became known as the conductor of the Underground Railroad, a secret network of routes and safe houses that we think may have helped as many as 100,000 people escape slavery. Harriet was born sometime in 1822. When she was only five years old, she was rented out as a nursemaid, where she was whipped every time the baby in her family cried. Even from a young age, Harriet learned to do everything she could to resist slavery. At the age of 12, she saw one of her masters prepare to throw a heavy weight at an enslaved man who had tried to escape. And Harriet bravely stepped in front of the slave. The weight struck her head instead, leaving her with a lifetime of severe headaches and narcolepsy. When two of Harriet's brothers, Ben and Henry, discovered that they were going to be sold, Harriet soon began formulating a plan for the three of them to escape. Several of their sisters had already been sold further down south, and she wasn't about to lose her brothers too. However, halfway through their escape, Ben and Henry became scared of what might lie ahead. The risk they told Harriet was just too great, and they decided to go back. Harriet remarkably made the rest of the journey on her own. When she finally crossed into Pennsylvania, she began to find work in Philadelphia as a housekeeper, but she didn't stay there for very long. She just wasn't satisfied living free, knowing that all of her friends and all of her family were still trapped. In slavery. So she put her life on the line time and time again to return to the South and to help even more people escape. Her success became so widely known that slave owners soon posted a $40,000 reward for her capture or death. Can you think how much money that was back then? But even that couldn't stop the conductor of the Underground Railroad. Then in 1850, the Fugitive Slave Act allowed fugitive and free slaves in the North to be captured and re-enslaved. This made Harriet's job in the Underground Railroad that much harder and forced her to then lead slaves even further north all the way into Canada. Nevertheless, she persisted. She actually went on to participate in the Civil War, not only as a nurse, but as a secret agent and a military leader on the Union Battalion in a raid against a plantation in South Carolina that freed some 700 slaves. Harriet Tubman was an illiterate woman of color, writes Catherine 
Clinton, author of one of her biographies. She was not only physically challenged, but disabled by her race and her gender. And yet during a 10-year span, she made 19 trips back and forth into the South and personally helped an estimated number of over 300 slaves escape to freedom, including her aging parents. We don't have many quotes from Harriet's lifetime because no one thought to write anything down about the life of an African-American woman. But I loved reading the following words attributed to her. I always told the Lord, I trust you. I don't know where to go or what to do, but I expect you to lead me. And he always did, she said. Hebrew scholar Will Gaffney says the following about the main character of today's scripture reading, Rahab. She says, when her family's lives were in danger, Rahab saved them. She became the savior of her people. Rahab was Jericho's Harriet Tubman. Like Harriet, Rahab is the underdog in today's story who risks just about everything she is and everything she has to save the people she loves. From the very first time her name is mentioned, she already has several marks against her. One, because she's a woman. Two, because she's a Canaanite, a non-Israelite. And three, because she is a prostitute. Rahab is someone who figuratively and then quite literally lives in the outskirts of society. Her home is actually situated in the outer wall of Jericho, which says so much about how people thought about who she was. And yet, as we are discovering in this new worship series, God doesn't leave us in the boxes that the world puts us in. In the beginning of today's text, Joshua sends two men to spy on the land of Jericho where they are planning an attack. And so they went, says verse 1, and entered Rahab's house and spent the night there. They're told to come check out the land, and yet that doesn't seem what to be what they are focused on when they get to Jericho, does it? So the king gets word that some Israelites have come to Jericho and have gone to visit Rahab, and so he immediately sends word to Rahab to bring them out. Now we don't know everything that happens here, but what we do know is that Rahab, the most unlikely character in this entire story, seems to be the one who is calling all the shots. Unlike many women in the Old Testament, she has a name. While many of the other men in the story, except for Joshua, remain nameless. But then she's also the subject of most of the verbs in the story. It's, it's Rahab who is initiating almost all of the action. And she's taking one risk after another. She hides the men on her roof. And then she goes out and lies to the king's messengers, telling them the men had already left before the gates of the city closed. She didn't know where they went, so they might want to go quickly before dark to try to find them. Meanwhile, the spies are upstairs, and they are getting ready to go to sleep instead of plotting their escape. And so Rahab continues to take action. She goes back up to the roof and says, I've heard the stories about how your God delivered you from slavery and how your people crossed the Red Sea 
And I know that the Lord, your God, is truly God. So here's my proposal. Since I have been so kind to you, will you be kind to me? Will you spare my life and the lives of my family members when you come back? And they agree. So Rahab lets the men down by a rope through her window because she's already living along the outer wall so they can easily get out of Jericho without being noticed. And Rahab hangs this crimson cord from her window so that whenever they come back, they'll remember where she was and she and her family will be saved. I love what I read Carolyn Pressler write about all of this. She says, if the story of Rahab upholds orthodox faith, it does so in the most unorthodox way. Rahab, the character who declares faith in Israel's God is not an Israelite at all, but a Canaanite, an outsider. Rahab, the hero who saved the spies, enabling their mission to succeed and the conquest to continue, is someone who is morally suspect, outcast, and despised. The narrative of the conquest of the Canaanites and the life of the chosen people in their land begins with the faithful words and the saving deeds of a Canaanite prostitute in Jericho. Friends, Rahab would have been perceived to be completely outside the box of God's people. And yet she is the only one in the story who is brave enough to take a risk, believing and trusting that God will make a way. Tony Campolo tells a story about a study that was done with 50 adults over the age of 95. And they were all asked this one question. If you had it to do all over again, what would you do differently? It's a great question. It's one we'll be asking in our small groups with each other this week. The top answer given was that they would reflect more. They would think more deeply. They would pay closer attention. But the second answer was that they would take more risks. These 95-year-old people didn't measure their lives in terms of successes and failures, which is so often what you and I are focused on. Instead, they measured their lives by how many risks they had taken. And for the majority of them, it hadn't been enough. Because really, is there anything significant in life that you and I can do that doesn't involve taking some kind of risk. For me, one of the biggest risks God led me to take is the reason I am standing in this pulpit with you today. Calvary was in the midst of our pastor search process, and I had this giant question mark in front of me. I felt so strongly that God was calling me to be a pastor somewhere and I also knew so strongly how much I loved and cared for the family of God in this place. However, I also knew quite strongly that if I weren't chosen to be the pastor here at Calvary, I couldn't stay here. Out of my love for you, out of respect for the new pastor the church had chosen, and out of a sense of commitment to my own sense of calling. 
And the night of my first interview with the pastor search committee, I don't know how long I sat in my car taking these big, deep breaths. Because I knew that once I stepped in that door, there was no turning back. And it was one of the biggest risks I've taken thus far in my life. What's interesting is around that same time, I was on the phone with my best friend back in Kentucky who had just found out that she and her husband were expecting a baby. And she was overcome with excitement and joy about something that she had dreamed of for so long. And yet the risks and the unknowns of bringing a tiny little human into the world seemed so overwhelming. And what was interesting is that we both really wanted what the other had. I was interviewing for a job I had always dreamed about that would love to be married and to be thinking about starting my own family. She was married to her college sweetheart and expecting a baby, but found herself in the midst of a difficult season where she dreaded waking up and going to work in the morning. And she didn't know how it would all work out once the baby came. For so many years of our friendship, we had been following the same trajectories. After graduating from college in Kentucky, we actually both moved to Waco to go to grad school at Baylor. And yet all of a sudden, we found ourselves in such different places. But then the conversation turned, and we both recognized a huge risk that each of us was getting ready to take. And suddenly our situations really weren't that different at all. We were both getting ready to embark on significant milestones in our journeys with absolutely no guarantee about what might happen next or how things would possibly turn out. And yet we knew that these were risks we were absolutely willing to take. Because at the end of the day, is there anything that's really worth doing in life that doesn't require us to take a risk? Every relationship is a risk. Putting yourself out there with someone not knowing how they might respond, that's an incredible risk. Marriage is a risk. The first day of school is always a risk. I hear students of every age and even seasoned teachers and professors talk about the nervousness they feel on the first day of school. Applying for a job is a risk. Asking for help is a risk. Sharing your story is a risk. Showing up in a new church or in a new small group where you might not know anyone there is such a risk. Moving to a new place is a risk, and sometimes staying where you are is a risk, too. Having a baby is a risk. Being a parent is a risk, but there's almost nothing you wouldn't risk for your children. Living with cancer, living with a disability or with chronic illness is a risk every single day. Falling in love is a risk and ultimately following Christ. Truly giving yourself over to something that is so much greater than yourself is one of the riskiest things that you and I could ever do. 
Almost everything significant that you and I can do to really show up in this world in a real and meaningful way requires us to take a risk, doesn't it? I know that this has been an incredibly difficult week in our country. No matter what side of the fence we fall on or what political box we might put ourselves in. And I am not here to speak politically, but I do feel led to speak pastorally for a moment to anyone in this room who may have experienced some kind of sexual assault. Statistics say that at least one in six women have been victims of sexual assault at some point in their lives, and it happens much more often than we realize to many men, too. Anytime we share such a vulnerable part of our stories, it's a risk. It's an incredible risk. Who will believe us? What if they don't? What might happen if they do? What will people think of me, say about me? What might they do to me? The list goes on and on. I know this room was absolutely blown away at the incredible courage Janice showed in sharing her story last week. And if you weren't here, I hope you will go online and listen this week. Please know that I want to be a pastor you can always trust to hold space for your stories. A pastor who will hear you, sit with you, pray with you, and believe you. And I think Calvary wants to be this kind of community too. We pledge ourselves to be the family of God for one another in this place. And that means we pledge ourselves to be a family who will hear you, believe you, pray with you, care for you, help you find resources, offer support, and walk alongside you wherever the road leads. I hope we will be the kind of church that creates space for people to be able to take a risk and to share their stories and for them to be held and honored in this place. I just didn't think I could preach a sermon about taking God-sized risks today without naming that too. But the reality is that you and I can't begin to take any sort of God-sized risk without also being willing to get outside the box. Anne Lamott says it this way, if we stay where we are, where we're stuck, where we're comfortable and safe, we will die there. We become like mushrooms living in the dark. If you want to know only what you already know, you're dying. You're saying, leave me alone. I don't mind this little rat hole. It's warm and dry. Really, it's fine. When nothing new can get into our lives, that's death. When oxygen can't find a way in, you die. Yes, new is scary and new can be disappointing and confusing. We had this all figured out and now we don't. But new is life. Friends, getting outside the box is what leads to life. We can't stay within the comfort of our boxes and expect God to do anything new within us. 
That's why 2 Corinthians 5 says that if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Think what would have happened if Harriet Tubman had never risked returning to the South, or if she'd never risked leaving her plantation in the first place. Think what would have happened if, like her brother, she had gone back to slavery because the risks of escaping were just too great. Think what would have happened if Rahab had never risked hiding the spies in her house, if she had stayed within the safety of her home, her box in that outside wall, instead of being bold enough to wonder what a bigger world there was out there for her and what a bigger God there was for her to follow. Please know that I'm not saying taking a risk always guarantees success. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a risk at all. Taking a risk means always opening yourself up to the possibility of failure, of pain, of hurt, of rejection. Risk-taking involves all of these things and more. And yet, I truly believe that taking God-sized risks is the only way that you and I can grow into the people God is calling us to be. One of the things I love from my studies this week is that the Hebrew word translated cord, like the cord that Rahab hung outside of her window, is also a homonym for the word hope. I need to check that with my Hebrew scholars back there, but we'll see. (laughs) Because at the end of the day, it's a risk to hope, isn't it? Rahab's risky hope ultimately invites her to become part of a much bigger story than she ever could have realized at the time. You heard us read Matthew 1 earlier from Jesus' family tree. And it's another one of those texts, like the instructions for building the temple that we read about last week that can be a bit long and boring. So-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so, and you get the idea. But if you pay attention, you'll notice a woman's name, and a list of almost all men. And not only that, but a Canaanite's name, and a list of almost all people who are Jewish. And not only that, but a Canaanite woman's name who happened to be a prostitute, and a list of Jewish men who all happen to have much more respectable occupations. No one could have expected someone like Rahab to be part of Jesus' family tree. And yet she was brave enough to hope that God had something bigger and better for her out there than she could ever imagine from within the walls of Jericho. It sounds pretty outside the box, if you ask me. And so, like Rahab, may God give you the grace never to sell yourself short, as William Sloan Coffin once prayed. Grace to risk something big, for something good. Grace to remember that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth and too small for anything but love. Perhaps that kind of grace is the greatest risk of all. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to be bold, brave, and courageous risk takers in this world. Give us the courage to get outside of our box and to follow wherever you might lead. We ask these things in your name and for the sake of your kingdom. Amen.
Well, we've heard that God is always in the business of working outside the boxes we put God in. And maybe you are ready to, to take a leap of faith, to step outside your box and to begin to follow God and to walk in the way of Jesus. Maybe you want to join our community of faith here at Calvary, where we seek to follow Jesus in the best ways we know how. We would love to welcome you in this place today. And so however God leads you to respond, our ministers will be in the back to receive you as we continue in worship. God of grace, 
We come to you today as people that live our lives in boxes and within boundaries. We recognize that it is so easy for us to categorize, label, and organize different parts of our life, including our faith. Challenge us today to break out of these boxes and boundaries, to learn what it looks like to follow you without the barriers we place on our lives. Help us to give of our time, talents, and resources without hesitation, and call us to live out our faith in ways that push out borders, make room for a growing faith, and open us to new risks and ways you challenge and surprise us. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God all the creatures here below. Praise God above you heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy are new to Calvary, we are especially glad that you are here today. I noticed that we have several guests with us, and we hope you'll stick around for a few minutes after worship and let us greet you and get to know you better. Also, today, when we got to see all of our cute babies, we thought it would be a great day to point out that we always need help in an extended session. And so if you liked seeing those babies being held and walked around the sanctuary, you could do that too in an extended session. And, and the more people who are part of this ministry, the better it is for everyone. And it is a huge ministry, especially to their parents. And so I know Lauren Everick would love to talk with you about getting involved with that. Small groups are starting back for the second week this week. If you have not joined, it's not too late. We would love for you to jump into a group this week. And I wanted to note that we have added childcare on Sunday nights at the home of Spike and Noel Burt. Are you all back? Yep, Spike's walking in raising his hand. So if you need childcare to participate, we'd love for you to check out their group especially. And then coming up in a week and a half, Amanda Tyler is going to be with her, be with us here at Calvary. She is the executive director of the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty. And she's going to be here to be speaking at Baylor and wanted to come speak with us at Calvary as well. And I think that's a huge honor for us to get to hear from her. I think we'll have other churches, community leaders, people from Baylor joining us. And so I hope you'll make an effort to be part of that conversation. We'll be sharing more about Amanda Tyler and the Baptist Joint Committee in the next week. Well, please join me in this benediction. Friends, may the God who calls you from this place journey with you as you go. May God delight in you with joy, bringing unimagined graces, walk with you in darkness, shining light along your way. May God be close to you in pain, giving strength for every moment, and comfort you in fear, granting courage to be brave. May God's love surround you. May Christ's mercy astound you. And may the Spirit abound in you so that you live in the fullness of the God who is with us always. Amen. Stars in the sun and you know them by name You are 
work with all to our 